they go to children's church. Yay! All right. Fantastic. All right. Let me start with Happy Mother's Day. Um, preferably, I won't end there, but... Today's uh, message, and, and this is a play on words, is titled... Irony sharpens irony. The plans of men will fail. We've been watching what happens with the Holy Spirit moving through the new church in, in Acts. We're still in Acts chapter 5. Two weeks ago, we saw the Holy Spirit move in, in powerfully that ended in the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Power. Then last week, we looked at the same Holy Spirit. So we were talking about two sides of the same Spirit who moved powerfully through the apostles and they were healing and they were teaching and they were multitudes were coming to the Lord. The same Spirit, two different sides of the same Spirit. And today we stay, we're still in Acts chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 17. We're going to jump right in. So starting in Acts chapter 5, verse 17, head that way in your copy of God's Word. And I will read from the ESV. I prefer you read from the one that you have or the one behind me. Either way. But the high priest rose up. And all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now the high priest came, and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in the prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. May the Lord bless the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. And I'm certain there's at least somebody in this room thinking, okay, how is he going to tie that into Mother's Day? Well, truth be told, I'm not. But don't leave because we'll do the Mother's Day stuff at the end. So let's pray and we will rock and roll here. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us this word that we can know you more. And I pray that you would keep me out of the way of your word so that as the Holy Spirit fills this place and works, that I am not an obstacle or an impediment to your work here today. I pray that you would use me for your good purposes, and I pray that for each of us we would hear you clearly 
and that we would leave this place differently than we came in for your honor and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, uh, irony sharpens irony. Now, I will be honest with you. This passage is rich. It is deep. And I could literally spend hours going through this. But for the sake of those of you who have lunch plans, and it is Mother's Day after all, I'm going to have you out of here by 2, 2.30 at the latest. I promise. Yeah. In fact, as Koinonia is coming in, we'll still be going and we'll just all sort of share seats. It'll be fine. Now, so irony. There's a, this, this passage is rich with irony. We see something. So let's stop there. What do I mean by irony? I'm going to define it for you. A difference between what you expect to happen and what actually happens. A difference between what you expect to happen and what actually happens. And we, we can all think of examples in our lives of irony, something that you know should go this way and, and doesn't. And I think, I think every single romantic comedy ever written has irony in it. You know, they're going down the aisle and then the, the old boyfriend shows up at the back door and the bride runs off with him or whatever the story, right? Something that turns out differently than we expected it. And there's a lot of that in here today. There's, there's a lot of that in here. So here we go. This is, this, is, this is God repeating things here because what we see here is what we just saw in chapter 4. We just saw in chapter 4 the apostles healing, teaching, preaching. And what happens? They get arrested. They get chucked into jail. For, for preaching and teaching. So they get arrested, and now they're, they're placed in jail again. So I've got four quick points I want to make this morning, four quick points about the irony, the rich irony in this story. And I can, I can go louder, I promise you. I can. I really can. It is fine. You're fine. It's okay. I promise. Uh, four quick points about the irony in this passage. So the first one is that the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Now, who are the Sadducees? These are the ruler types, right? These are the religious guys. These are the religious guys. They're the ones that are supposed to be leading the way, showing us how to honor God and how to, how to share his good news and how to, how to make disciples. So if they're going to be jealous, they should be jealous for God. It doesn't sound like they're jealous for God here. It sounds like they're jealous for them, right? Their life is being affected. Their power, their prestige is going to be affected. So the irony is that the guys who are supposed to be enthusiastic for God and about God are really just sort of protecting themselves and protecting their own reputation. And they're a little, a little twisted up about that. The religious men had egos. We've never seen that before, have we? Isn't that odd? Number two, number two is that they, they arrested the apostles very publicly. Depending on, on how you parse out the words there and how you, where, what scholar you look at and read, they, they, the, the arrest was very public. There was a point to this very public arrest. 
and that is to shame them. They, they arrested them, they put them in the public jail so that everybody would see that these guys got arrested at the temple and got put in the jail. Now, we'll have to wait a moment for the irony of that, but they got arrested and put in... So it's, it's public humiliation, among other things, right? It is, it's the idea that, uh-huh, well, I'm going to show you I'm going to show you because this is what's going to happen. Ha! I'm... Now, we're back to the Sadducees and the religious ruler guys who are... They're still fighting for their own ego here, right? We'll show them who's in charge. Have you ever had one of those moments? Have you ever had one of those, I'm going to show you moments? Now, if if you say no, you haven't been a parent for very long because that happens in parenthood, right? Let me show you who's the boss of this house. Oh, oh, well, okay, I was wrong. Never mind. Yeah. Not that I've ever experienced that, but, you know, sometimes those things happen. So they drag them off to jail. They make a big spectacle. They put them out where people can see. Now, remember, last week we talked about the idea that that there were still people who were a little reluctant to get involved with this group, right, For for any number of reasons, including the idea that, They just heard about or saw Ananias and Sapphira die. Now, be honest with yourself. If you witnessed that, would it encourage you to run up and join that group of people? Maybe. Maybe not. So people are a little reluctant anyway, and the social media of the day, the, hey, did you hear what happened, right? people talking to people, the word got around. So people knew about Ananias and Sapphira. By the same token, they knew about the healing. They knew about the preaching and the teaching in the temple because multitudes came to the Lord. So in the midst of this, they're making a big spectacle to shame and publicly arrest the apostles. Number three. Number three, the angel of the Lord comes along. And let me give you a little Bible nerd insight because, well, I love some of, I like me some Bible nerdism. But the Bible nerdism here is that the angel of the the Lord, the phrase, the angel of the Lord, Luke uses that in the two books he writes 14 times, 14 other times. Angel of the Lord, 14 times. This morning in our Bible study, we, we talked about the word ambassador. And there are sort of two, two definitions of ambassador. Ambassador is someone who represents their government with a foreign government, right? So Ambassador Nikki Haley, she's the ambassador to the United Nations for the United States. The second one, the second definition of an ambassador is someone who is a messenger, okay? A messenger who is proclaiming or giving information, right? Um, what is, what is a definition of an angel? A definition of an angel is a messenger. So here we have a messenger of the Lord 14 different times that Luke tells us about. And this messenger of the Lord comes in and does what? Let's him out. Takes him out of the jail, tells him to go back to the temple and preach the words of life. Now, Tad more Bible nerdism for you. The word life there is the Greek zoe, and it is used about 36 times to, to refer to Christ himself. 
So that life that the angel's telling them to preach about is Jesus. Go preach Christ and him crucified, to borrow a phrase of Paul's. To, pray, to preach Christ and him crucified, to tell the truth of this life. So the angel comes in, sends them back out. Here's the irony of number three. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels. The Sadducees, who threw them in jail, didn't believe in angels at all. And yet the angel of the Lord came and released them from prison. I, you got, I find a little bit of a chuckle in that, that. So here's the question that I came up with. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels. Did the angels believe in the Sadducees? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody got it. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. Um, so the, the, the irony here is that the, the very entity, the very being that the Sadducees didn't believe in, freed the apostles from jail. Took them right out with nobody knowing. Okay? Um, if we look at it, and then um, number four. Number four. And I told you, we're going to go fast today. Number four. Here's... here's Here's where it gets to be sort of fun, right? The Sadducees arrested the apostles in an in a, in a, in a action of public humiliation. Paraded them. You, you can, I, I picture in my mind that they paraded them through. They dragged them out of the temple and they threw them in the jail and they made a big spectacle of it. Ha! Don't you cross us. We're going to put you in jail. And, and, and so there. Now, the angel of the Lord comes along. The angel that the Sadducees don't believe in. Let's not lose that point. And he sets them free. And says, go back into the temple and preach the words of this life. And so now, the apostles aren't in jail, they are very publicly back in the temple preaching. But the, the, the leaders, they don't know that yet. They say they gather together in the morning and they, they tell the captain of the, of the, of, of the temple, the, the guards there, to go get them, bring them in here. Imagine if that was your job. Have you ever been in charge of things that you didn't really want to be in You know, something happened at the job you really didn't want to be in charge of, you really didn't want to talk about? Picture this for a moment. Captain so-and-so reporting. Captain, go get the prisoners out of the jail. Yes, sir. Off he goes. Now, there's nobody there. The doors are locked. The guards are still out front. And here come, and there's nobody in the jail. Raise your hand if you want to be the person running back to the council and telling them that. Yeah, me too. No. Uh, well, Mr. Chief Priest, head of the council, so there's the, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, well, um, they're, the thing is, you see, well, they're, they're gone. They're gone. They're out of the... And so the, the, the passage tells us they were perplexed, greatly perplexed. They were confused. And they were wondering what this would come to. Can I tell you what this is going to come to? 
It's going to come to more people coming to know the Lord. It's going to come to people getting saved. And, by the way, to fit in with my, my outline and my title, the irony here is that the shamers are going to be shamed. The shamers are going to be shamed because they made a big spectacle of arresting these guys, and now they're back in the temple preaching without the council even knowing it. The shamers are being shamed. So what can we make of this passage, right? Because if, if, we, if we are true students and we understand hermeneutics, and as my friend Pastor Josh would say, Herman who? Yes, hermeneutics, the studying, understanding, interpretation of Scripture. We see what was written. We understand what it meant to the people who read it originally, who wrote it, the, the writer and the original readers. And then we, we go through some steps to make sure that we understand where it aligns in, in, in the Bible, in Scripture. And we make a bridge from that context to our context, and we understand what it's supposed to be to apply to us. So what is the application? What are we supposed to take from this passage? Because I don't think any of us expects that they're going to come storming in and arrest us this morning. So what, what is it in there that we're supposed to understand? Well, I would suggest there's a couple of things for us to understand here. And the first one is that we can be strong in our support of Jesus. Again, not a hard thing in our culture. It's getting a little more difficult. We, we, we tend to... Uh, opponents of the gospel are getting a, a little louder, especially if you're on social media. I have some very good uh, friends, some old buddies from the military who, by golly, they are adamant, adamant that uh, there is no God. There is no God. And I sort of point out to them, do you know everything there is to know? And when they say no, I say, well, how do you know there's no God? How do you know that? If you don't know everything, how do you know that? But curiously, now, curiously, one of those guys recently, and, and he is roughly my age, recently went through prostate cancer surgery, still going through treatment for prostate cancer welcomed, by the way, because he had a Facebook post and I went on there and I said, hey, insert his name, I, sorry you hear about this and I am praying for you and for your recovery. You know what he didn't do? He didn't chastise me. He didn't yell at me about praying for him. He said, thank you. He knows who I am. So, so even in, in, in an increasingly resistant culture, we can still be strong in our support. We can still be strong in what we talk about because the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, empowers us. It's the same Holy Spirit that lives in us as we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us. So we can still be strong in our support of Jesus. The second thing is that speaking the word well will bring respect from others even if they don't get saved. Speaking the word well will bring respect from others even if they don't get saved. What does that mean? It means, really, it's sort of an extension of the first point, is that we stand our ground, that we don't waver in our conviction, that we tell the truth. 
And even if people disagree with us, if we are consistent in our truth and we are loving in our truth, they will respect that we are who we are. Not a blanket statement. There are still going to be people who don't like it. But we see, and we see these examples in Scripture that as, as the early believers stood their ground, they were respected. And we too can be respected. We want people to hear the truth so that they get to know the truth, so that they get to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that we want to, we want to make sure that they hear that truth and that we, our role there, our, our part of that puzzle is to, is to continually tell the truth, to share the good news with people we meet everywhere we go. Now, I've told you this before, my office, where I work, my office becomes every now and again a drop-by prayer room. I'll be working on something, and suddenly the door closes, I look up, and there's somebody standing there going, we need to pray. Okay, I'll get on board with that plan, let's pray. And I'm okay with people knowing that about me. I'm glad people know that about me. I just seems like the right thing. The final point is that only through repentance, only through repentance and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior can we get to that point. We can't have the Spirit living in us if we haven't accepted Christ. We can't have that Holy Spirit power if we don't know Jesus. And it is only through that, that we can tap into that strength. We are talking this morning in Bible study about um, about abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us. And what are the differences that that make? What are what is the change in us? And it is a strength, and it is a power, and it is a peace, and it is a confidence. And when we need them, very often it is the actual, the very words we need to speak, to speak life to people, to speak truth to people, to speak love and care to people. So it's only through repentance and accepting Jesus as Lord that we can find that strength and tap into it. We see the Spirit working throughout the book of Acts. And we were having a conversation. We started it Wednesday night at our community group. It continued into our home. And and the the word was cessationism. Cessationism. Which means, in biblical terms, that it is the belief, the idea that the very powerful gifts of the Spirit, the healing, the speaking in tongues, those things ended early in the church history because they weren't necessary anymore. Now, the other end of that thought process is called continuationism. And that is for the, the people who believe that those gifts continue. It doesn't, my point here this morning isn't whether they ended or they didn't end. My point here is that it's the very same Holy Spirit then as it is today. And we as believers can tap into that Holy Spirit power. So as I get ready to pray and we get ready to to continue what we're doing here today, as always, 
the altar is here. The, the altar is open. We, we want to invite you to, to, to come and to pray because there's something. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray where you're sitting or where you're singing, by the way, right? Or where you're playing drums. I'm not saying you can't pray there. But there's something about getting up and making my way to here to isolate myself from where I was. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a a, a mental and emotional thing but there's value to it. So as we get ready, continue. Uh, we're gonna, the altar, of course, is always open, whether it's an invitation, an opportunity to come and to pray, whatever it might be. I invite you to look deep this morning. I invite you to look deep inside. Answer the first question first. Do I know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do I really know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Or am I... Am I being ironic? Am I living a life of worship activities and not actually saved? And then the the next question is, am I living a Holy Spirit-filled life? Am I living that life powerfully through the power of the Holy Spirit? Do people know who I am? Do they know what I stand for? Do they know what I'm about? And then finally, if you have something that you need prayer for, if you need prayer, if there's something you want to, to, to be unburdened about, then please come. Let me pray. Father in heaven, you are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. And we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the way you moved in the early church as a demonstration to us and for us of who you are and what you're doing and what you're going to do. May we not miss what you're telling us. And may we not hide that under a bushel. May we not secret it away. But may we share your good news. May we be known as your people. May it not surprise people if, they, if we tell them, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. May, may they not be surprised by that. May we be known. And may we be your hands and feet here. May we be doing the things you've called us to do here in this place, in this time. Lord, we give you this time. It's all yours anyway. It's all yours anyway, but we give you this time and ask, Holy Spirit, come powerfully. Fill this place. Fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand and sing with us.